we believe that art began as a magical thing. When you go back to the beginnings of this species, they would start to develop rituals to make things happen again. For instance, nobody understood that the sun would come back every day. So people would start to ask for the summer to come back again, and the seasons and, and the migratory animals and so on that they relied on. So the original art and original music grew from a functional activity to make things happen, to stabilize the group, the clan. And that carried on right through to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance when the main patron of art was the church. And then there was this split between art for art's sake and art for spiritual reasons. This is Raw Material, a podcast by SF Momo. I'm Ross Simonini, your host for a season of Art and the Unknown. Genesis Briar P. Orridge is an experimental musician, an artist, a poet, a shapeshifter, a founder of subcultures, and a magician. She's probably best known for pioneering the genre of industrial music in the 70s with her band Throbbing Gristle. It's the storm of rhythm and noise you're hearing now. But she's also founded a temple, created magical rituals to be performed on a mass level, and produced hundreds of talismanic art objects. Genesis herself is a magical object. To behold her is to behold a legend, a human who has questioned every aspect of identity, gender, normality, and familiarity. In this live performance you're hearing now, she stands on stage in a red teddy, leather skirt, heels, swinging the microphone like a lasso in huge circles. Her eyes peeled open as if in a trance. But even offstage, she's a being of no comparison. She's filed and gold-plated her teeth. She wears brightly colored robes, copious jewelry and amulets, and often carries a staff, which is how she was dressed when I visited her in her apartment in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. The outside of the building was unassuming, but inside was a cabinet of curiosities. Bones, magical books, Statues soaked in blood, jars of hair and fingernail clippings, artifacts from an African voodoo cult, many of which were the same objects from her recent show at the Ribbon Museum, which drew connections between her work 
and Himalayan spiritual traditions. But Genesis began as a performer, initially working in a British collective called Coombe Transmissions, which started in 1971. On screen, red-haired, green-eyed boy, white skin with a few freckles, kissing a thin-brunette girl in Clothes and hair dancers bars of all the world's cities. Men they are seated on low bed covered in white silk. The girl opens his pants with gentle fingers and pulls out his cock, which is small and very hard. The work with Coombe was extreme performance art. On stage, Genesis would lick up vomit, eat poisonous plants, and carve into her skin with rusty wire. By doing this, she was trying to get outside of herself, to enter the ecstatic, non-bodily state of mystics. Towards the end, my, my, uh, my part in the performance art actions became ever more intense, and we ended up in the hospital the last couple of times, almost dying. And that's when we realized that we were onto something. We were speaking in tongues. We were having hallucinatory visions. And we thought, this is really important to follow, but this is no longer meant to be in public. This is something we have to just study more carefully as an experiment and make notes and film and record it and, and keep um, files and documentation of what did and didn't work and our theories as to why it did or didn't work and so on. In many ways, Genesis's life and art have been about reconciling her corporeal self. Born as Neil Andrew Megson, Genesis created her pseudonym early in life. But that wasn't enough. She needed to break down the limitations of biological sex, as she puts it. So later, in the early 90s, when she married her wife, Lady Briar, they began the Pandrogeny Project. Rather than conceiving a child, the two of them decided to create the Pandrogyne, what they saw as a new, genderless being that would be the merging of their physical and non-physical bodies. They believed binaries like us versus them, he versus she, you versus me, these were the problems in the world. This was an act that required magic and plastic surgery, both of them getting matching breasts, facial reconstruction, dressing alike. By the end of it, they were the same person. It was a culmination of the body modification and identity transformation experiments that Genesis had been exploring since the 70s. And when she refers to herself as we, it's because in a way, she became two people. And it stopped for a minute. And then it ran under the car. Then it ran under the car. Coombe Transmissions turned into Throbbing Gristle, a band that sought to invent a new kind of music, free of traditional structures. This is a clip of their final show in San Francisco in 1981, right before they disbanded. We spent more than a year sort of 
having discussions back and forth of you know, what could we do, how could we use a rock band to actually attempt to change things? You know, how would it work? What would we have to do to make it feel appealing? And at the same time, really be doing political social action. And that's how we gradually developed the concept of the psychic youth. Sometimes just drifting in this simple world Like a country dream asleep to discussion The numbness of content I see you smile Drifting like a country stream My little girl precious and pure As I fall back into softness and sleep The caress me simple love after Throbbing Gristle dissolved, Genesis began Psychic TV, a new band which was linked to a loose collective of musicians and occultists called the Temple of Psychic Youth. The temple was involved with something called chaos magic, which is a postmodern kind of magic that gained popularity in England in the 70s and 80s. It bundled together a whole bouquet of esoteric traditions to create a new kind of magical organization for a new generation. And then at the beginning with the first record, Force the Hand of Chance, we put a flyer in, inviting people who were interested in the ideas to get in touch through the mail. And we were shocked how many hundreds of replies we got. People say, we want to know more, we, we, we want to do something, we don't want to just sit back and consume. We want to be activators. The temple was a utopia of magic. It sought to create an egalitarian structure, rebelling against the problematic politics of many organizations. They did this by breaking down the typical terminologies for gender, rank, and class. So from then on, we were kind of improvising as we went building this, you know, non-hierarchical structure, we started giving people, all the, all the biologically male people who chose to say they were, were Eden and then a number. And all the biological females who chose to say they were, were Carly. And as it grew, we noticed some people were going, well, I'm Eden 3-1 and you're only Eden 4-7. I'm, I've been in it longer and I'm kind of more involved. So we just took all the numbers and jumbled them up at random and gave everybody new numbers so that they couldn't do that. Anything we thought they might try and use as leverage to feel more egocentric about themselves. But we were really surprised at the desire for a hierarchy that people have. And that was completely the opposite of what we were trying to do. We were trying to say, tell yourself. My little girl. Recently, the interest in the Temple of Psychic Youth has exploded. A lot of young people at the talks that we do and at universities and so on, they ask about the Temple of Psychic Youth, not the next record. Or they say, could you sign the Psychic Bible instead of a record? It's switched across, where the music is the catalyst for meeting, and setting up these temporary safe zones for people. But they're there 
to become more involved intellectually and spiritually as well. Genesis has been a massive influence on my path as both an artist and a magician or an occultist. Mickey Pellerano is one of many artists and magicians working in the wake of Genesis. In particular, he practices the magic at the heart of the psychic youth, sigil magic. Sigil magic is a way of transforming language into a symbol or sigil, and then charging that symbol with magical intention. What we have creates our need. Restrictions are removed like school uniforms. We discover eroticism. We had started to read about Austin Osman's spare, and the thing that struck me the most was the sigil. Austin Osman's spare was one of the most influential figures on the Temple of Psychic Youth and is usually considered the inventor of modern-day sigil magic. He was an artist born in the late 1800s. He often drew dreamlike scenes of monsters and demons. He once said, Art is the instinctive application of the knowledge latent in the subconscious. At the time, in Edwardian England, magic was a very baroque and, and convoluted practice. I'm not to say that there's no value in this, but, but it, uh, you know, it involved lots of trappings and lots of expensive regalia. And Austin Spare was interested in almost taking a Taoist approach, you might say, in, in, in finding the essence of magic. He, I believe that his process was sort of like, all right, well, you know, what is all this for? What is it really doing? What's the purpose of all this regalia, all these theatrics? What's magic really trying to achieve through all this and I think he reduced it to well they're trying to access the subconscious they're trying to affect the subconscious through symbol and ritual and he devised a way to simplify that process into the most minimal effective just so compact uh, process and that is the sigil The first step in making a sigil is to decide what it is that you really want. You tell the brain what you truly, truly wish and desire, and the brain will then always lead you to the choice that goes towards it. You don't even have to be conscious of it anymore. It's a, it's a neurological trick. Magic is always about the statement of intent, the statement of intention and clarifying that. And, by, and just by doing that, you're already starting to shift things around just by saying, I want this. Amanda Yates Garcia is an artist and a witch who works extensively with sigil magic. Calling oneself a witch is kind of like calling yourself queer. You know, it's a way of taking back a pejorative term that's been used to sort of marginalize you and actually use it as a term of power. As a witch working with clients, one of the first things she often does is to create a sigil. I use them all the time in my ceremonial workings with my clients because they're easy to use and people can understand them and they are a good way to 
move into the material realms, the workings that otherwise would stay within the realm of consciousness, which is, you know, not a very effective place to have them. The process she uses is the same one used by most chaos magicians. First, write down your statement. You say, I will pay my rent. Then you cross out all the vowels, cross out any repeated letter, and with the remaining letters, in this case they would be W-L-P-Y-M-R-N-T, you create a magical looking symbol. The final step is charging the symbol, which can be done in many ways, burning it, burying it, meditating on it. But the way Genesis and the Temple of Psychic Youth did it was through sex. At the moment of orgasm, you can post a glyph, a message, to the deep consciousness, to the, neuro, you know, the neurological center of the self, and that it would then lie there dormant, but also growing in terms of how you make choices. The idea is that you want to open the door to your subconscious. And by using images rather than language, you're directly communicating with your own impulses. The subconscious doesn't understand language. It communicates via symbols. That's why dreams seem nonsensical to us, right? That's why mythological symbols are so consistent in different pantheons. It's really the symbol that is the language of the subconscious. Genesis took this easy and strangely effective technique and created a new ritual for anyone to perform. How can you do something that's for everybody to have a chance to be involved? And we thought, okay, let's make a completely demystified ritual where there's no gods and goddesses and no, you have to say this and chant that and pray this and do that. Let's just find what's the essence of it. And we came up with this very simple ritual of the three liquids, where people would write down or in some way document their true desire at that moment. And then they would have an orgasm either with someone else or just by masturbating. And as they were having the orgasm, focus totally on the glyph or the phrase that represented the, the hologram of all the different things that were connected to that desire. And people started to write in and say that they thought it was kind of silly, but they'd done it to pay the rent and the money would turn up the next day. And a huge ratio reported success. And as they got success with mundane things, they started to go deeper. You know, how do we really want to change ourselves? You know, we actually had a point where there were almost 10,000 people masturbating to orgasm on the 23rd of the month, the 2300 hours. No one's ever done a sex ritual like that before. Between our emotions and listening hard, we see every detail of every sexual act. 
magic in the West has mainly been about the empowerment of the individual. And that's okay because the individual has to learn themselves. They have to know themselves. But most people stop there and go, okay, so now I'm really sort of fabulous and I'm a magician, sleep with me. And, you know, that's okay. But the real secret of magic is that when you reach that point, the only way forward is to serve humanity. Otherwise, it has no meaning. You're only purifying the self to serve everyone. And that's where it becomes truly spiritual. Sometimes just drifting in this simple world Like a country dream asleep to discussion The numbness of content I see you smile Drifting like a country stream My little girl precious and pure As I fall back into softness and sleep You caress me simple love you possess me with simple love. You caress me with simple love. You possess me with simple Raw material is produced by the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art and me, Ross Simonini. All the music you heard today was by Genesis Briar P. Orridge, Coombe Transmissions, Throbbing Gristle, and Psychic TV. Keep listening to hear more from these contributors and others in a season of art and the unknown. Oh.